setting fire to the stoner stereotype. Sparking up candid conversations with cannabis researchers, entrepreneurs, and advocates. Educator, author, and advocate Dr. Mitch Earlywine is here to tackle the burning issues. CannabisRadio.com presents a no-holds-barred platform that seeks to redefine and revolutionize the entire scope of the cannabis culture while opening the door for more to join the cannabis crusade. Please welcome the host of Burning Issues, Dr. Mitch Earlywine. Hey, welcome to Burning Issues, where we burn away the cannabis myths with science. As many of you know, I'm Dr. Mitch Earlywine, author of the Oxford University Press book, Understanding Marijuana. I also pen the Ask Dr. Mitch column for High Times Magazine. Today, we'll chat with marijuana media maven Maggie Volpo, author of the Stinky Steve books. We'll also have a new segment on self-compassion in the art of activism. Cannabis radio fans all remember the delightful Ladybud magazine at ladybud.com, where Maggie was contributing editor. And she also has a whole line of books that star Stinky Steve, a green-tailed skunk who explains cannabis to kids. So, Maggie Volpo, welcome to Burning Issues. Thank you for having me, Dr. Mitch. That's super. And so I just wanted to sort of get a feel for what inspired the Stinky Steve and the Stinky Steve series. Uh, Well, the Stinky Steve series um, was kind of created when my ex-husband and I ran a dispensary in our home state of Michigan, and we saw a lot of parents who are coming in, um, sometimes with kids as old as early teens who were hiding their medical cannabis use instead of talking to their kids about it and obviously lying and hiding it after a certain age is very ineffective. Uh, so that is where the general idea came from. <laughs> That's super cool. And you've already got titles out that address things like grow rooms and medibles. Can you give us a feel for how writing for kid is different from, say, writing for Ladybud or other journalistic places? Well, for one thing, I rhyme. Yeah. <laughs> uh, you Steve books, you know, we, we stick to a, to a rhyming structure for the books that are currently in print. Um, you know, I try not to talk down to kids very much in general. So we try to include a lot of information just with maybe less jargon than you would use um, when writing for an adult. That sounds like a good strategy, yeah. Yeah, because kids are generally much smarter than our society gives us gives them credit for being. They're very observant, and they may play dumb a lot, but that doesn't mean they are dumb. So uh, I think the most important thing when you're talking with kids is to be honest and to be on their level but not be condescending or try not to be. <laughs> to be a fine line to walk. I... I... <laughs> At least it is with mine. That's that sounds great. And so, yeah, the decision to do the the blank verse rhyming scheme. What made you go in that direction? <laughs> I I've had a love of poetry my whole life, and so putting it in the rhyme scheme just seemed like the easiest way to kind of self regulate and make sure that it stayed brief. I have a tendency to use long sentences, so <laughs> it kind of forced me to break that up more. So that was one of the major reasons why I kept working with it after the first book. <laughs> Brevity's and sake. I wondered if you'd be willing to give a shout out to your illustrator and talk about sort of the general ideas behind some of the pictures. Oh, well, sure. Mauricio J. Flores is the illustrator for the books. Uh, he's a freelance illustrator. He's also an architect. He's an amazingly gifted artist, obviously. 
And I would give him kind of a concept of what I wanted on a page, and he would turn it into reality relatively quickly. And then in some cases, we would make adjustments or changes, but most of the time it was, you know, minor things like, oh, one of the characters is missing a shadow under this flag, you know? He he did a great job of using reference images, which I provided for him, since he's not actually in the cannabis industry, um, for things like uh, needless syringes of cannabis concentrate and things like that. That's super, and you really do get into some neat details on that. Um, one of my personal favorites is the is the grow room one, Grandma's grow room, and I just think the the looks on the kids' faces and the and the whole. <laughs> Uh, you know, level of detail, including down to the shadows. Can you sort of give us the take-home message on the Grow Room book? Oh, absolutely. Uh, lots of great parents and other adults who are involved intimately in children's lives grow and produce cannabis, whether or not they use it themselves. And it's important for those adults to be talking with the children in their lives about what's going on behind that locked door or why the kid can't go in the garden and also helping them to understand why they're growing it and um, the importance of safety around things like grow chemicals, which could be toxic if consumed. Exactly. Those are sort of the points that we touch on in that book particularly. Also, one of the important things about that book, I think, is that it touches on the fact that it isn't just young people who are involved in the cultivation of cannabis. It is also grandmas and grandpas. Exactly. Oh, I think it's wonderful. And it... Seems like it's got this very matter-of-fact tone, even in the rhyme scheme. So it just it just seems like something else somebody does, like doing your dishes or taking out the trash or having a garden. So I feel like that that's uh, a real strength there. Um, well, it is a part of many people's everyday lives, and it is a part of a lot of children's everyday lives, whether or not they currently know that. You know, it's maybe how their parents put uh, food on the table. Exactly. What's intriguing too is I feel like it was it had to be a challenge to do the book on the medibles, and I think that was volume three. Uh, Stinky yeah. Steve explains mommy's medibles, and <laughs> I just was curious, uh, you know, how you got uh, around some of the the big issues of you know these are sort of adult brownies, these are kid brownies, that sort of thing. Uh, well, uh, really, it's just a matter of saying it bluntly. Um, And I think it's important, we talk about it in the safety tips at the back of the book, to delineate a safe storage place or a separate storage space um, for medicated items so that there's never any confusion with the children in the house. It's really cute because one of my former grad students uh, had a nephew visit and said, here, I got these brownies, and the kid spontaneously asked, are they adult brownies? So (laughs) uh, clearly words words getting out, and it's it's nice, nice to see. I also, well, that's good. Uh, the, the child knew to uh, ask before they got their hopes up that they were getting a snack. <laughs> <laughs> Can you tell our listeners what other volumes of Stinky Steve might be coming up in the future? Uh, we are currently working on a ninth title, which, unlike the eight that are currently in print, focuses on children who don't have a direct involvement in the cannabis community, either by their own cannabis use or their parents' involvement in the cannabis community. Um, that'll be uh, focusing, it's kind of like a Cannabis 101 for middle schoolers. So we'll be incorporating Stinky Steve, although he won't be in kind of the same position he is in the other books, he'll be more of a narrator. 
talking about some of the same basics that are covered in the um, in the original eight titles, but more in depth and from a more outside perspective. Uh, and we'll be touching on more socially appropriate things for middle schoolers too, including synthetic cannabinoids, you know, herbal incense or spice or whatever it's called <laughs> in any given community, which is dangerous, which a lot of uh, high schoolers and middle schoolers are experimenting with because they think it's legal. <laughs> gotcha. Hey, as my cannabis radio brother Vivian McPeak would say, we've got to pause for the cause because there are flaws in the laws. We'll be right back with more Burning Issues and Maggie Volpo of the Stinky Steve series. More Burning Issues coming up after we blaze through these words from our sponsors. Northwest Alternative Health, Eugene's premier medical marijuana clinic, is proud to sponsor the Oregon Marijuana Business Conference. Are you prepared for the changes in the recreational and medical marijuana markets? The OMB presents the state's top industry experts, along with over 40 exhibitors, and features a keynote by Dr. Carl Hart. Also, tickets include a celebrity interview and private after-party with the one and only Tommy Chong. Join us Sunday, April 24th at the downtown Eugene Hilton, and be a part of Oregon's fastest-growing industry. Check out OregonMBC.com for more details. The next generation of vaporizers has arrived. Vuber vaporizers are blazing the way with unparalleled technology for oil, concentrate, or dry flower pens. Providing unsurpassed customer service and expert craftsmanship, Vuber vaporizers use cutting-edge technology, providing a power-packed, smoother vapor with a lifetime guarantee. Experience vaporizing the way it was meant to be. The Vuber way. Welcome to Cannabis Confidential. I'm your host, Dr. Dina. We've got David Faustino on the line, Bud Bundy from Married with Children. Did you feel nervous being a celebrity walking into a weed store? I don't remember at all being like, ooh, I'm scared someone's going to take my picture here. What are they going to say? Bud Bundy smokes Bud? I mean, come on. <laughs> <laughs> it wouldn't be a big shocker. Hey, this is David Faustino, and I'm on Cannabis Confidential with my girl, Dr. Dina, on CannabisRadio.com. Time to fan the fire on some more burning issues, only on CannabisRadio.com. And we're back with burning issues, talking to medical marijuana media maven, Maggie Volpo, uh, author of the Stinky Steve series on cannabis, uh, explaining cannabis to kids. I wanted to ask about volume five, where you sort of make the leap from medical use to casual cannabis use in adults. Did you take a lot of heat for that? I think there were some people in the, the medical marijuana activism community who were displeased by the focus on casual or recreational adult use, but given the quickly growing market in a number of states in the District of Columbia where it is legal for adult recreational purposes, it was kind of hard to ignore that need or demand, as it were. And then I got to admit that just the whole idea of making it a skunk, <laughs> given cannabis's uh, legendary uh, odor, I thought was, was a real hoot. Did you brainstorm about other characters or think, think of other uh, animals that might have been appropriate? Well, to be frank, Stinky Steve was actually, as a skunk, a pre-existing character that I had created when I was a high school student working at a sleepaway camp to help kids with homelessness. And so when I started thinking of the concept of the series, he was the perfect fit. I never even considered using a different or creating a different character. We just 
changed him a little bit and made him more appropriate for his purpose now, <laughs> which oh, is that's, cannabis awareness and that homesickness. <laughs> that's a real hoot, and I love that he has a, a history of uh, soothing children before he even got into the cannabis movement. That's a riot. <laughs> so you've also done some splendid work at Ladybud, and I just kind of wanted to get your take on you know women in the movement and, and how you feel like, you know, are there differences across the genders in the way cannabis use is treated, that sort of thing. Uh, that is a great question, and unfortunately, I think the answer is yes. If you look at gender breakdowns of legalization support polls, you'll see that support wags in women, generally speaking, um, especially in women who are of childbearing age, and I think a lot of it has to do with the stigma that comes with any sort of substance use, even if it's legal and prescribed when you're a mother specifically, not just a parent. Is kind of a cultural double standard that dads can do what they want unless they have full custody, but moms are expected to stay, quote-unquote, sober, even if they have a severe medical condition that responds well to cannabis. So yeah. that's one of the reasons I love Ladybud is how it's given a voice to a lot of these issues that mainstream media and the mainstream cannabis community have ignored, like endometriosis, for example. A fine example. My student, Allison Luby, actually showed that one of the questionnaires used to assess cannabis-related problems is biased against women. Women are, are more likely to be considered having a problem uh, for the same sort of behaviors that men are doing simply because they're women. It's, it's, it's a real drag. It is a drag, but the only way we're going to change it is by speaking up and, and making sure that not only are our voices heard, but that they're being heard by other women who may be too afraid to speak up and get involved. Well, and I love that Stinky Steve has both a, a mommy and a grandma uh, addition out already. I feel like that's that's a step in the right direction there without having to beat it over the head. Right. We try to be very diverse um, when we cast the characters, the human characters, to include as many races and family relationships as we could in the uh, different books. No, it's it's really coming through. I, I think that's really hip. And so you did mention the endometriosis uh, situation. I actually get emailed about that a lot. Would you mind giving us a little background about that and how cannabis might help? Oh, um, sure. Well, long story short, endometriosis is a condition that's limited to biological women where um, the uterine lining, which is usually what a, an embryo or a fetus would implant into inside you know, a woman's body, uh, grows outside of the uterus on other organs, and it can cause horrible, horrible crippling pain um, and a host of other problems. So uh, from the perspective of its antispasmodic and um, pain control capabilities, cannabis is an excellent option for women who find no relief through over-the-counter medications for their endometriosis-related pains. Yeah, boy, I mean, it sounds like just the persistence and pervasiveness of that is uh, really a, a battle for standard medicine, and a lot of folks really swear by cannabis as far as that's concerned. I'm hoping maybe I can gather some data on that because that, that's uh, an under-investigated field. It absolutely is, and I think that as more women um, like Diane from Ladybud or like Simone Fisher, who's been published on Ladybud, um, as they speak up and talk about using cannabis for endometriosis, I think that we're going to see a lot more attention being paid to that. So, the future is bright. <laughs> All right. And can you just sort of give us the vision again for Ladybud for the folks who might have missed uh, the show with Diane Fornbacher? 
Oh, absolutely. Um, Ladybud is all about bringing both serious and kind of quirkier news stories to a cannabis activism audience or to a, a specifically female audience, although a lot of men read it too. Uh, we focus on issues, not just women's issues, but all the issues that could be considered feminist. So racial inequality, transgender and gay human rights, a little bit of everything, really. There's recipes and even uh, product reviews occasionally. I was delighted to get a, a poem up there, and I felt like your love for poetry definitely comes through on the site. Oh, yes. I'm completely forgetting about the literary things. But we've also published some amazing graphic art pieces, too, um, that are unique to Ladybud and haven't been published elsewhere that are quite funny, actually, discussing uh, the issues that Eve would have uh, experienced <laughs> from her perspective. Oh, when you when you see how maybe religion has uh, been a little bit anti-woman from the start, uh, it's hard yeah. not to rethink all your perspectives. Uh, yes, and it's, it's very interesting as someone who was raised Catholic to see the story of Adam and Eve from Eve's perspective. It was very enjoyable and engaging for me to read that. <laughs> and that's and really, I love that Ladybug gives people a platform for those kinds of subversive and unusual uh, works of art. I got to admit, some of them wouldn't wouldn't appear under under any other heading. <laughs> That's true. <laughs> so, also, I think people need to know that you're a parent too, and you know, approaching the stinky Steve stuff, you've got some insights into that. Would you care to talk a little bit about you know biases against uh, parents related to medical cannabis use? Oh, uh, absolutely. Uh, you know, I've I've actually heard. I don't think it was a judge. I think it was a referee. But I heard a referee here in the state of Michigan tell a set of parents that just because they were medical cannabis caregivers, they were increasing the chance of their child being murdered. There's a terrible, terrible bias in our society and especially in our legal system against people who use cannabis, even if it's for medical reasons, even if you're in, enrolled in the state program. There's still a lot of social and political stigma attached to that. And that's one of the reasons why it's so important that parents talk with their kids so that if it's ever brought up by an outside authority figure, the child knows how to respond appropriately when it happens. Exactly. Parents should not be losing custody of their children just because they use cannabis or grow cannabis. Well, and I've seen it come up in divorce disputes in really nasty ways, so... Yeah, uh, unfortunately, they don't have the same reaction to finding out that one of the people in the relationship that's being dissolved uses alcohol or legal prescription opiates. So it's an unfortunate double standard currently. Exactly. And then I just wondered if, you know, your own parenting experiences provided any insight for you into making the Stinky Steve series. Well, my son was only about a year old, actually, when I wrote the books, although... I was kind of trying to gauge them to my nephew, who was about five at the time, you know, because he had questions. He had seen his Uncle Ty get arrested by a police officer um, for a cannabis-related offense, and it kind of shook his world up. So uh, I definitely wanted to help the kids in those situations understand that just because their loved one's involved with cannabis or with the legal system or Child Protective Services or its incarnation in their state, that that doesn't mean that their parent's a bad person or a bad parent. It just means that the laws in our country are pretty broken right now. Oh, man, I couldn't agree more. 
Well, we've had a delightful time talking with Maggie Volpo of the Stinky Steve series, and we'll be right back on Burning Issues with another chapter in Self-Compassion and the Art of Activism. Please come right back. More Burning Issues coming up after we blaze through these words from our sponsors. Great websites today need expert web design and development and need to be e-commerce ready and mobile friendly. But building a marketable and profitable website can be an uphill climb. Ready to make your new website or replace your existing website? Think Orange as the new way to get in the black. Orange Hill Development works with Fortune 500 companies and offer the same top quality development service at a fraction of what other providers charge. Brands like Absolute, Carlsberg, and Nestle trust Orange Hill Development. Find out why you should trust your website with Orange Hill. Contact Orange Hill for a consultation today at orangehilldevelopment.com. Dr. Dabber, hurry! Its temperature is shooting past a thousand degrees Fahrenheit. It's burning up! I'm afraid for this little guy, it's just too late. What caused the problem? Only Dr. Dabber can maintain the perfect temperature for a smooth-tasting, slower burn. This standard vaporizer lost all of its health benefits, sending it up in smoke. So you're telling me that most vapor pens burn so hot they produce smoke, not vapor? Correct! Keep away from those standard vaporizer pens and turn to Dr. Dabber. Doctor's order. Less heat, more flavor. Tommy Chong is ready to cut through the smoke and change the tone of Tilk Radio. All you have to do is decriminalize. We don't need a government regulation to tell us this is good plot, that's bad plot. We don't need any of that. The Tommy Chong Podcast, only on CannabisRadio.com. Welcome to my world. Time to fan the fire on some more burning issues, only on CannabisRadio.com. Hey, welcome back to Burning Issues. I'm Dr. Mitch Earlywine with our next chapter of Self-Compassion in the Art of Activism. Here's the part of our show that encourages all our listeners to take good care of themselves and each other. Hey, it's how we support the Cannabis Crusade. So today we're tackling the big taboo, money and happiness. I know that sex and happiness might be a bigger taboo, but those data are actually pretty straightforward. People who have more sex do report that they're happier, but the causality seems to go in the other direction. When you randomly assign heterosexual couples to have twice as much sex as they usually do, guess what? They don't get any happier. In fact, they fight a little more. It looks like happy people have more sex, but forcing people to have more sex does not make them any happier. But hell, my wife could have told you that. She's a marriage therapist. But money and happiness is a very different kind of deal. We've all seen that money doesn't buy happiness once you've reached a subsistence level. Once your basic needs are met, the impact of finances on happiness is surprisingly weak. So sure, when I was on food steps, it was a total drag, but I'm not infinitely happier now. It's funny to think that millionaires probably aren't a lot happier than you and I. Part of it seems to be that millionaires tend to compare themselves to other millionaires, leading them to forget just how good they've got it. What is interesting is not how much money people have, but how they spend it. And that may have the secret to happiness right there. In a nutshell, 
folks who spend money on others are happier than those who spend it on themselves. I know that's kind of a hard nut to crack, but we've seen it now with correlational surveys and even in real experiments. Please let me explain. Researchers started out with a big survey. They got a nationally representative sample of over 600 U.S. citizens. And then they asked them how they spent their money, but they broke it down into different categories related to spending on themselves, spending on others, spending on charity, that sort of thing. Spending on themselves included gifts, just for themselves. Spending on others tend to include charity or just gifting your buddies once in a while. Sure enough, the more folks spent on charity, their pals, that kind of thing, the happier they were. Now, of course, how much money they made in the first place helped explain some of their happiness as well, but the size of that effect was pretty much the same as the effect of this pro-social spending on charity and gifts. Now, I know that you Burning Issues listeners are hollering, it's all correlational. Maybe folks donate a lot, but donating doesn't make you happy. And after all, that's what we saw with happiness and sex. Fortunately, the same research crew conducted an experiment. They got a sample of people, 46, and told them, look, you're either going to get a $20 bill or they gave them a $5 bill. And they said, you've got until 5 o'clock today to spend it. But one group, they said, please spend it on yourself. Spend it on your own expenses or buy yourself a present. The other was told to spend it on someone else or give it to a charity. Now, we've got good old random assignments, so the groups should be pretty much equal on everything but how they spend the money. And you guessed it. The folks who gave their windfall away were significantly happier at the end of the day. In fact, the effect was even bigger than the difference between getting five bucks or getting 20 bucks. So giving away money made people happier than spending it on themselves. Money can buy happiness if you donate it. Now, I know some of you are thinking, what about giving away sex? But that's an experiment I probably won't get past the ethics board. What's it all mean for you and me, though, in our daily lives? I'm not going to try to turn this into a pitch for funding the National Organization for the Reform of Marijuana Laws, but their website is norml.org. But in truth, we can always gather a little data ourselves. How would I feel if I sent the ACLU a check or if I left a bigger tip or picked up the tab when I was out to lunch with a friend, maybe bought coffee the next time we got together. Well, it's another burning issue, and only one way to find out. Let's run a little experiment, each of us. Let me know how yours turns out at 420research at gmail.com. That's 420research at gmail.com. And thanks yet again for listening to Burning Issues. My continued gratitude to the Cannabis Radio Production Wizards, and today's guest, Maggie Volpo, author of the Stinky Steve books. Please join us again soon. I'm Dr. Mitch Earlywine at CannabisRadio.com. You can also find us on iTunes. Hey, follow your heart and let the data be your guide.
The opinions expressed on this CannabisRadio.com program are those of the guests and hosts and do not necessarily reflect those of the staff and management of CannabisRadio.com. Any rebroadcast or redistribution without proper consent of CannabisRadio.com is prohibited.